Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is Sevgi Fernandez, and I am... Coming to you from our web or our um, podcast for Together We Stand. It is a national nonprofit organization, and we advocate for victims of racism, discrimination, and police brutality. And we do that through uh, legislation, education, and advocacy work. And um, we have a really great show uh, for you this evening. I'm really excited to have some amazing people on to talk about their personal experiences with racism. And it's sort of got a twist because everybody that we're going to be speaking to tonight um, is of mixed race heritage. And uh, being that I myself have grown up um, as a mixed race woman, I definitely got a lot to say on this topic, as I'm sure all of the panelists will as well. Um, my father is uh, black and my mother is white and um, they couldn't have come from more different backgrounds. My father was um, very, very poor, um, grew up on the East Coast, uh, and he ended up uh, actually becoming a Black Panther and, and doing some amazing things in his lifetime um, to fight against racism and discrimination. and. Um, my mother is from a very upper-class white uh, family on the West Coast, and um, we actually had some issues <laughs> um, within the family because she married a black man and um, because they had a mixed child. And so I've had an opportunity to sort of see how racism plays out within a family structure as well as um, in my uh, personal and professional life. And so I'm just eager to hear the experiences of uh, others that have, have grown up in the United States and mixed race and um, sort of see what they have experienced that's similar to mine and, and maybe some differences. And um, I'm going to welcome on my sister Paige Fernandez now. Paige, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. So Paige is going to be on with us for a bit, and she and I have the same father, different mothers, but very similar sort of um, similar sort of experiences, even though we kind of grew up on opposite sides of the country. And so Paige, maybe I'll let you give a little introduction um, for yourself, and then we'll bring on our panelists. I see you guys all there waiting, and thank you so much, and we'll have you on shortly. All right. Yeah. So my name is Paige Fernandez. I am Sevgi's younger sister and favorite sister. Um, and <laughs> I grew up in Philadelphia with our dad. Um, I am like much younger. So I had a different experience, whereas like I didn't really see him um, in his kind of like uh, civil rights role, whereas I saw him kind of during his like corporate movement to like um, work on racism and sexism within the corporate world. Um, and my mom is from Philadelphia. She is, um, she actually was from Kensington. So she grew up, my mom's white and she's from Kensington, which is a poor neighborhood in Philadelphia. Um, she grew up with an Irish Catholic family. And so I've had like a fairly interesting experience with kind of navigating um, my race and identity um, within two very different families um, and two very different households. Um, and that's kind of impacted my view on life. And I have had very different like economic experiences as well, which has also um, kind of helped me navigate um, the political climate in certain ways. Um, and yeah, and I'm excited to speak to the panelists and hear about everybody's experiences with them kind of being mixed race and or biracial um, and what it's like to be biracial in the United States. 
Awesome. Thank you, Paige. So I am bringing everybody on at once, and I'm going to sort of um, welcome each of you and ask that you sort of maybe just give us a brief rundown on your background, and then we can sort of dive into some some juicy dialogue. Does that sound good? <laughs> I'm hoping everybody can hear me. So I, and if I butcher your name, go ahead and give me hell for it. So um, I believe that we have uh, Lakia. Is that correct? Yes. Am I saying it right? Okay. Yes, you're saying it right. And, um, awesome. Well, hey, I'm starting off good then. That's great. Um, and then I believe we have Rose on the line and Ashley, yep. Hello. Jared, Hi. Um, Amalia. <laughs> Is that correct? Amalia? Oh, I don't think she's on with us quite yet. And then Janina. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. So um, we'll just sort of go down the list, and maybe you guys can give everybody just a brief summary of who you are and what your background is, and we'll go from there. So, Lakia, do you want to start out? Yes. Um, I don't know anything about my father. I didn't grow up with him. My mom was a single mom, so I would just talk about what her racial background is and, of course, what I am. Is that all right? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, my mom is uh, Native American, and she's um, African, and she has European in her as well. Hello. Awesome. And you don't. And you, hi. Hi. <laughs> and hi. you don't know what your dad. You don't have information on your dad's side. Is that correct? No, I don't have any information on my dad's side, and I wish I did, so I can share. Well, it sounds like your mom's got a lot going on on her, <laughs> her side. Yeah, well, well, because of her, because of her mother. Her mother, you know, her mother was biracial, and then her father had the natives and the Irish in him. Wow. Well, that's that's America for you, right? Um, yeah. Okay, Rose, <laughs> do you want to share with us your background and who you are? Yeah, sure. Hi. Um, so I am half Italian. So my mom is a hundred percent Italian, um, as far as she knows. And then my dad is um, Black, Irish, and Native American. And uh, yeah, I grew up in Springfield, Illinois. So uh, it was really not common at the time um, when I was growing up. Um, I'm 32 now, so uh, you know, 80s, 90s, like. Um, it was uncommon to see that, uh, and I was raised by my mom, so um, my dad wasn't in the picture, so to to be with her on the street was kind of like, I guess, eye-opening in that setting. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Wow. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Ashley? Hi there. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> we sure can. Uh, so my name is Ashley. Um, I was surprised to hear the uh, introduction because uh, I'm not American. Um, I am Canadian. So um, uh, my my dad is the, the son of a Polish uh, immigrant father and an English and Scottish mother. And um, my mom was born on a farm in rural Jamaica, one of over 25 siblings. So, um, wow. Yeah, and uh, for some I complain when I'm getting tired of my three kids. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, she somehow found herself in a very a very cold and snowy Canada in the 80s and crossed paths with my dad, and now I'm here. Wow. Wow. Excellent. Okay, and then Jared, the one male on our panel tonight. Welcome. The story of my life. <laughs> uh, Watch out. story of my life. I... Uh, So let me first start out by saying that I am a middle child. I have four sisters. Um, uh, One is uh, from uh, my dad's other marriage, and then um, 
I have one sister who's um, whose father is an Afro-German, um, and my personal mix is my mom is uh, is like an Eastern European Jew, um, grew up on Long Island. She has a little bit of Middle Eastern heritage in, in her mix, uh, but from way back. And um, my father grew up in uh, Philadelphia, in North Philly, and he was actually really good friends with a guy named Billy Paul, who sang Me and Mrs. Jones. Um, oh. And uh, I... Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my mix. It's, uh, right now, I, I, I currently live in Philadelphia, and uh, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman who's also pretty darn mixed herself, and we have a one-year-old son. Excellent, excellent. Well, welcome. Um, so, Amalia, is that how I say your name? I don't think I have her on. So, Janina, we'll go to you next. Tell us about Jack. Sure. Um, I am 38. I was born and raised in a suburb of Cleveland. My mom is white. Uh, My dad is black. Um, I I actually have some white supremacists in my family. So it's been it's been interesting. There have been lots of secrets that have been tried, you know, that people have tried to keep from um, me in particular. I'm the only uh, person of color. Well, growing up, not so much anymore, because you know people mix more the the older we get. But at that time, I was the only person of color, and yeah, I mean, a lot of my mother's family um, just disowned her. Um, I don't have a close relationship with my father. He's been kind of in and out of my life over the years. But um, as a whole, it's it's been tricky. It's been interesting. And, you know, like I said, I'm 38, and I find that I'm just now kind of um, figuring out who I am and where I fit. And I'm hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you for sharing. I mean, it's not – Sometimes this stuff gets kind of deep, and I mean, listening to you, I flash back on some stuff in my own history, and I'm I'm grateful that you guys are willing to sort of talk about, you know, personal family stuff. Sometimes it's not easy, um, but I think it's important because I don't think, at least, I don't get the sense that folks that haven't been in our shoes have any clue as to sort of some of those struggles that we go through, and so I think it's it's a good topic to sort of bring up. Um, and so I think Amalia, am I saying it correctly? Are you on with us now? Yes. Can you hear Did me? I butcher your name completely? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm batting a hundred today. All right. So welcome. And can you, we're just sort of giving a, sort of a brief background on, on who we are and where we come from. And so do you mind sharing with everybody? Sure, thank you. Um, so my dad was born and raised in Mexico City, and my mom was uh, born and raised in Michigan. My mom was white. She moved to Mexico in her late 20s um, where they met. They were married. My older sister was born in Mexico, and then due to family issues back in Michigan, they moved to Michigan um, thinking it would be temporary, but they're still there. And I was born in Michigan. Wow. Okay. Well, welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So um, it sounds like we've got people sort of spanning all over um, the place. And I'm I'm excited to hear that we have someone up in, in Canada because I'm curious as to, you know, what the climate is up there. Um, and I know – I don't know what the age ranges are for everyone here um, – but I know, oh, I don't remember who said that it was sort of, was it Rose that said that it was sort of not common? Were you in Springfield, Illinois? Was that you? Yeah, yeah that. that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm shocked because I have three boys and, like, if I can remember what their names are on a given day, then, you know, I'm lucky. <laughs> so I'm, I'm. But, you know, I mean, I'm getting ready to turn 44, hiss, hiss, boo, boo. 
Um, but, you know, when I was in school, like I grew up the first 13 years of my life living with my mom in her household with my grandparents. And my grandfather was really, really great, but my grandmother, like, had serious issues with my dad's existence and, like, um, I was a sort of constant reminder of that. And um, I was the only, there was only one other mixed kid in my school at that point in time. And, um, you know, I, I, I have three boys now and they're mixed with all kinds of everything. And, you know, I look at, they go to school where I actually went to elementary school and it's just like this sea of multiculturalism everywhere. And, um, it's a beautiful thing, but like, it wasn't, um, like when I was a kid, it wasn't very normal to see around. And then it went through like the phase where, you know, being the light skinned girl was like the it thing. And then, you know, now here we are where we have, you know, mixed people everywhere. But I'm wondering like, um, growing up for you guys, you know, was there, um, a community or, or are you finding that now as you're getting older, you're finding sort of your own community or, or how did that work for each of you? Um, I'm happy to jump in. I didn't grow up with very many mixed kids. There were maybe five, maybe, and I'm 30, I'll be 39 in February. Um, And it was looking back as an adult, looking back on my childhood, I didn't even realize some of the things that were happening. And I'm sure that some of you have experienced it as well, because being the light-skinned kid, you know, you don't fit in anywhere. You're too dark for the white people and you're too light for the black people. And kind of nobody wants to take you in. That's how it was for me. And that's how it was for a long, long time. Um, And I, you know, I have, I have a son who, a stepson who is, 21 who is mixed black and white and then I have my eight-year-old who um my husband is black so he's you know three quarters black a quarter white you look at him you definitely think he's black but then people want to comment on his good hair right Mm. and I realized one time he was watching the Disney channel and it just melted my heart and I was so happy for him because he said mom that kid looks like me. I never had that. Mm. Nobody on TV yeah. looked like me. Nobody. I yeah. didn't have anything to relate to. And, you know, and given our age group being a little bit older, because it wasn't as common when we were little, I don't really have a lot of mixed people that I know now. Because it was right. still very taboo right. when we were born. Yeah. Where did you yeah. grow up again? No. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Where did you grow up? This is Rose I grew up outside of Cleveland in Ohio. Okay, yeah, and I'm from Springfield, so I had sort of a similar sort of situation where you don't see mixed, very many mixed people around. Interesting. And you know what? I grew up in Berkeley, California. You'd think you would have seen them all over the place, but you didn't. You didn't. until Well, now you do, but back then you, sure. you really didn't. Um, so, I mean, I would think, yeah, Midwest, sure, but... Berkeley, California, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hi, Paige. I'm just going to hop in here really quick while we're talking about this and yeah, say that, you know, growing up in. We got a lot of people. <laughs> oh. Sorry, sorry. But just like a quick thing about, like, you know, as like somebody, so I, I don't know, I'm 21, but I like grew up in Philadelphia, which is a fairly diverse city. Um, and, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, but I grew up in non area. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's like a pretty, like, it prides itself on diversity. But I went to a school. That's where I'm going I mean, from. Yeah, very nice. Um, I, so I guess I just. I never saw anybody who looked like me either. And I think that was like a very, I mean, I remember like telling my mom when I was younger, kind of being like, why are my lips so big? Like, why don't they look like yours? My mom's white and I would just be like so confused um, about that. And so like having the struggle of not seeing people who look like you is uh, pretty difficult. Yeah. I had the experience growing Um, up where like most of the people looking uh, like me were basically my sisters. Um, um, and I just, uh, there were a few families growing up. I grew up actually in 
uh, Southern New Jersey, not Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I have to say that all the time. But um, uh, it's a place called Willingboro. It, it was famous for a lot of track stars like Carl Lewis. Um, so I, there were very few mixed families. It seemed like there were a lot of families where both parents came from very similar backgrounds. And also I, I grew up like being the only the only Jewish boy in the town at the time. And so there was that intersection of, um, well, you can't be black if you're Jewish or you can't be Jewish if you're black. And it's like, uh, there's that. But also like my father passed away when I was, um, when I was almost three from cancer. So there was a lot of stigma around that. A lot of people um, not really understanding how to, deal with somebody who talks like I talk or who, who won't use, like, certain language uh, to degrade people or um, uh, stood up for my white mom, you know. Um, so. Yeah, I hear you. you. You talk like a white boy. Is that what they gave you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, man. if we're going to be blunt about it. Oh yeah, Carlton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but can you do the dance? You know, can you do the Carlton? That's the most important part. <laughs> you know what? She's still alive. She can have it. My sister is probably like, what are they talking about these old people? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Whatever. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, I mean, but how many yeah. how many of us like at some point were told because they didn't really know what box to put us in? Not that we need to be in a box, but how many times did you hear? I don't really see you as black, though. Oh, <laughs> oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, all I heard the that. time. And people <laughs> say that, and they think it's a compliment. And as I'm yeah. older, and there people still say that to me, my response to that is, well. You know, that to me says a lot more about you than it does to me, about me, because that means I don't fit in that space that you think I should fit in because I don't talk a certain way, I don't behave a certain way, I don't fit your stereotype of a black person. And then that just kind of makes people go, oh, shit, oh, wait, are we allowed to say that? (laughs) (laughs) But that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens every time, you know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You have to sort of, you know, that's the thing is that so many people, okay, so we have like a lot of background noise and I'm not sure where it's coming from. So I'm going to say like, if you're not talking, maybe hit mute just so that we can keep the line clear for everybody. Um, but I think, you know, race has been like so taboo um, to talk about for so long, but people don't realize like, that their little comments are, you know, offensive. And so, like, I love it when I hear people actually, like, calling people to task on what they've said and just, like, get them to actually think for a second about, like, what just came out of their mouth. Like, you know, my grandmother used Mm -hmm. to say, you know, things like, you know, um, well, you have black people freckles. Like, um, what's a black people freckle? Like, because they're not red, apparently. Like, you know, and it's just like, um, did you really think about what just came out of your mouth? Like, really? God. They don't. It's crazy. And, like, you know, and, but, and I think that it brings up an important point in that, like, we don't, I don't think people really look at what their sort of internal biases are. Like, my dad talks a lot about implicit and explicit biases in his books and I don't think that most of us sort of examine what those are. And I think that being mixed, you sort of tend to be more in tune with that sort of stuff just because we find ourselves in the middle so often or so often not fitting into one category versus another. And I think that, you know, yeah, there's so many stereotypes of what a person is supposed to be. And, like, I, I – I'm sure you all have gotten that, like, question, like, what are you question, like, um, when people are trying to figure out who you are and what race you are and all of that, and it's just like, um, yeah, I'm not a person, clearly, I'm, um, 
not fitting into your like categories. So what do you do with me sort of stuff? And it's pretty frustrating. Um, I think, um, but Janina, was it you that was saying that you had some white supremacists in your family? I do. Um, my, obviously my mother's side, she's the white one. Um, her, her mother's <laughs> side of the family is who they are. And pretty much my grandma, her, my maternal grandmother, she's, she's fine with everything. I mean, I've never had an issue there. We couldn't be closer. Um, but her side of the family, they, it's always been something that's kind of, you know, hush hush, but everybody knows about it. Um, I mean, I have some cousins that I went to high school with and they didn't know that they were my cousins because they don't have black people in their family. And um, yeah. the rite of passage for the men on that side of the t- family was to read Mein Kampf. I have a cousin what? who, when wow. they turned 18, their father took them and made them get racist tattoos. Um, I have a cousin who was a little bit younger than me who is a very accomplished chef in the Air Force, and he actually was um, all lined up when Obama uh, won his second term, he was going to be the head chef for Air Force One. When they started vetting him, he couldn't get the job because of people in our family and what they were affiliated with and things that they have done. Wow. You know, so it's, it's wild. And, I mean, I don't obviously see these people very often, but when I do, it's always very awkward and um, you know, I mean, being an adult now, I say hi, I'm not rude or whatever. And sometimes I like to talk to them just to make them uncomfortable, but um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, they, it, it's interesting because just real quick, I've had so many people tell me like, for example, Donald Trump can't be anti-Semitic. His son-in-law is Jewish. I'm like, how dare you? I've got white supremacists in my family. Don't tell me because a, there cannot be B. It doesn't work that way. Open your eyes, people, right. you know, and it's just. Right. Yeah. I also have white real. supremacists in my family, too. Who's, who's this? Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, this is Rose. I also have a um, white no, no. supremacist cousin in my family. And how has your experience been with that person? Um, I've, I actually, um, since the election, I blocked him on all forms of social media. Um, he tends to resurface. Um, and I feel like the election just made him like, I, I really think he's got some weird stuff going on. Cause he, he texts me Nazi, like Nazi stuff, like all the time, not directed wow. towards me. Like we actually, um, our relationship's kind of weird because like he, it's weird. Like we'll be on the phone and everything will be fine. And he'll, he'll, you know, I say like, Oh yeah, I love you. give your love to my mom. Like he's on my mom's side. He's um, Italian, but he, he lately, like in the past like couple years has basically said that he's not Italian anymore and doesn't identify as being that at all. And he's just like, Oh, he's white and that's all he is. And, um, but yeah, so I had to block him in all forms of social media because he just kept texting me night and day, like all this crazy stuff that is from this website, like, um, it's a white supremacist website. Um, what's it called? Stormfront. I think that's the name Uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, just like the most terrible, like stuff that you would ever read about every, everybody. He basically hates everybody, but then at the end of the conversation, he'll be like, Oh, love ya. So I'm just like, you know what, I can't be, I can't have this person in my life right now. It's too, it was just too time consuming. And I kept trying to change his mindset and it just, it didn't work, you know. And it was like too much for me to deal with. So I've like blocked him, but it's weird because, you know, everybody does know that we are like related, you know, and there are other people in our family that are also mixed, but um, I just, yeah, I can't have him in my life. So it's interesting to hear that other people have also similar situations. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think that this whole election thing has been a catalyst for a lot of relationships shifting and ending. And um, I've, I've, I mean, I've been hearing this from a lot of different people. 
So um, I'm wondering um, for everybody that's sort of not chimed in as much, um, if you've had any experiences like within your family that have sort of been trying as far as fitting in because you're different um, than part of them or um, um, I can anybody in else um, Sure. Uh, so I think I'm the only one here who's not American. Um, and I, I don't want to, um, diminish from the, you know, very real and overt white supremacist, uh, sentiments that are, that are in people's families. I mean, I can't even, you know, imagine my white cousins reading Mein Kampf. Um, but I do think that white supremacy is so broad that it is in every family and um, to some degree. And it's not always that overt, but um, my parents told me that even, you know, when my dad, when my white dad um, brought home, you know, like a, a, a hot black chick named Gloria home for the first time, um, you know, his dad said, that's great and all, but why couldn't you find a nice white girl? I, I, like, I, I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but, you know, like, really? And sort of throughout their, um, their relationship, I mean, I know that when they got married, there were um, pastors who refused to marry them because they were an interracial couple, and this was in Toronto in the 80s, <laughs> um, in sort of the city that's the pinnacle of multiculturalism in the 1980s. You had pastors who would refuse to marry interracial couples. And my parents told me that when my mom was pregnant, they had conversations about, well, what do we do when our kid comes home and says, you know, mom, dad, kids are asking why I don't look like either of you. Um, What are we going to tell her? And it's funny because, I mean, I don't, I don't really know that that ever happens, but there were definitely moments in my family where things, things got a little weird. People, people said some things. And I think that to me, it's, it's just a reminder that when people ask things, at least in my perspective, when people ask things like, what are you? They're trying to um, see whether or not it's safe to, unleash all those biases that they know that they already have. Um, mm-hmm. Like you were saying, you know, when you ask someone, well, you know, what do you really mean by that? You know, what do you really mean by you, you don't sound black? I mean, the only logical solution is that they associate blackness with, with being unintelligent, with, with being of a, of a lower socioeconomic status. And right. I think that, you know, being mixed race is sort of this space where people feel like um, maybe because you are racially ambiguous or you have light skin or you have, quote, good hair, that you are this safe space where they can say things to you that maybe they wouldn't say to someone else. And they right. yeah. negotiate that with you. Yeah. 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 Hi, this is Jared. I just want to jump in really quick, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. So, in my family, um, it, it was it. So most of the prejudice uh, from my the family actually came from my father's side of the family, um, and I, I think it's like a lot of internalized oppression uh, happening there, but. Um, they had a term for my sisters and I that, that was the uh, the tainted babies um, uh, because we were babies at the time. Um, but they they saw they used the same logic that a lot of uh, like white supremacy groups use, like diluting the gene pool or uh, saying that there's no way that we can ever be accepted as black and they have to cast us out as though like, like, like we're um, a wolf cub that just got a broken leg or something. Um, Mm. And uh, whereas like my, my mother's side of the family, which like they, they have this whole policy, like 
family is family is family, and they like did some they did some personal work long before I was aware of it and had a lot of conversations uh, to to like just get right right down to their values. Like, do we value family? This person's a member of our family. We value this person. Right. Like very basic uh, basic logic, but a lot of a lot of energy goes through your heart when it when you have those conversations. Um, sure. Even though I do have members of my extended family who are who uh, at times looked at me like I had three heads, and, but there was somebody next to them to slap them in the back of theirs. So <laughs> it was just, just like um, remember uh, family. And they're like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, I don't really talk to those cousins um, for some good reasons, uh, but uh, I just want to share that my uh, my uh, most of the judges in my family came from like the black side, and because of that, um, my sisters and I were actually cut off from our heritage, like our black heritage. That way, we had to get it some other way, and we were lucky enough uh, to grow up in a. Uh, predominantly African American town, um, like African American, lower middle class to middle middle class, I guess, um, African American town. So, um, so like it never our identities as black people didn't really come from our family. Um, our father's side of the family it came more from our peers. Got it. That's I, I mean, mean I'm I glad that you. Sorry, just jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in. I I think that it's sort of important to, um, just because a lot of the conversation thus far has has revolved around sort of um, oscillating between our personal experiences with family, which is are obviously things that are non-negotiable because they're so personal and sort of this, this broader idea of um, prejudice coming from both sides, uh, I guess. It's just looking mm-hmm. sort of a traditional white and black <laughs> model of things. Right. And I think that, um, that it is given this, the history of, of, um, you know, the legacy of slavery and uh, Jim Crow and, um, and, and all the underpinnings of racism and white supremacy in the United States, I think, personally, it's perfectly logical for um, people who are monoracial, who are black, to look at me with distrust. I think that that mm-hmm. sort of logically follows given the trajectory of racism and white supremacy, given the fact that if you have good hair, if you have light skin, if you have green eyes, you are privileged about someone who has, you know, 4C hair, dark skin, and, you know, sort of typical black characteristics. And I think that it's very unfortunate that those sentiments come out in people's families because that's not fair, but the distrust of a sort of the racially ambiguous, fetishized, light-skinned person, I think is actually, it's not perfect, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that. And it's sort of, it's difficult because, well, like for my personal experience, I, um, I never felt... Um, non, not welcome or not a part of when it came to my black side of my family, but I did with my white side of the family and still do to this day. But if you want to flip it, um, outside of my family, I have had many more instances of feeling not welcomed by the black community than by the white community. And I'm not and and as I do my my work in um you know racial justice stuff i mean there's been there's been times in which like my sister and I have literally had to prove our blackness and that we were black enough in these people's eyes in order to be doing it was just like in, in 
in order to get their blessing to do this work. And it and in yeah. times like that, it's pretty frustrating for me. Um, you know, I mean, um, but I, I do hear what you're saying, and I do like my logical brain says yes, that makes sense, and I do see where I, as a light-skinned woman, have um, privilege over somebody with darker skin. I see that. And at the same time, like my heart wants to say, um, but I still I still want to belong. And this is still a community that I feel um, connected to and um, I'm still fighting for, so embrace me. You know what I mean? And so it's sort of a, I think especially right now where we have such um, – big movements happening for Black Lives Matter and we see such a huge racial divide um, in our country like it's it's not hidden anymore I think we we see it pretty outright for what it is um, you know it does bring up a lot of those issues and 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 it's 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 you know I'm wondering for um, for anyone else, if there's been sort of a time in which you felt you wanted to be involved in some sort of a um, a movement where you weren't black enough or you weren't white enough outside of family um, that that you've experienced, I think that for me, one of the largest barriers has been language because. Um, because I am Mexican, but, and my, my mom, who's white, actually does speak Spanish fluently, but we made, mm-hmm. well, I didn't make, my parents made an economic decision um, in childhood to primarily speak English to us because my dad needed to improve his English in order to get a better job. And so right. my sister and I lost out on becoming native fluent Spanish speakers, and we both studied Spanish and we both traveled and have tried to um, incorporate Spanish, but we will never be native speakers. And so for myself, very much wanting to work um, for social justice issues related to racial justice and um, particularly in Latino communities around immigration rights, it's really hard when I look light, which doesn't necessarily mean that I can't um, fit in as many, you know, being Hispanic or Latino is not a race It's in itself. Right. Um, but also not being a native Spanish speaker and people placing assumptions on, well, you know, as you're speaking about the distrust, that does make me less trustful that it may it's often assumed that because I'm not a fluent native Spanish speaker that that must mean that I don't care to learn or that I don't value Spanish or that mm-hmm. I don't I just don't want to learn and it, I really resonate with what you were saying about balancing the the privilege of being lighter and not ever wanting to deny that and ever wanting to, um, to minimize that. And, um, I don't want to complain about that when we live in a world that there are privileges that I have because of that. But emotionally it can feel really isolating and emotionally it can be really difficult to still, um, feel excluded and, like you were saying, to want so badly to fit in and belong. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious um, because so my sister and I, our last name is Fernandez. So people automatically think that we're Mexican. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Do they do that to you, Paige? They do that to me all the time. Hey. Sorry, 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 my bad. I had you on mute. My phone was turned off. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, no, okay. people do that to me all the time. People, well, people usually just assume that I've gotten, like, Puerto Rican a lot. Um, sometimes oh, yeah, I... Brazilian. 
but never, I don't think anybody has ever thought that I was actually half black and half white, ever. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious, though, because, like, um, uh, whenever I've written anything, because I'm a writer and I write for my blog and stuff often, and then whenever I write anything about Trump, um, I get um, probably half of medical, middle America like coming after me and they're you know I'm a Mexican plant and I need to go back to Mexico where I came from and can't wait till they get that wall up and send me back and all this stuff and I'm wondering just for you has has how that's affected you um and has it affected you and um your family in any way on um, this sort of anti um Mexican sentiment that's growing across our lovely country it has um so I live in Philadelphia right now and I'm I'm really lucky that in many ways I'm sort of in a liberal bubble where I am right now. Um mm-hmm. but I do feel really, really protective of my father because he worked in a small town in Michigan at a really small company and if I had to bet I would say that 99% of the other employees there voted for Trump and it could wow. be coincidental they, I do feel like I've seen or I've heard him talk about having more interpersonal conflicts at work within the last mm-hmm. six months and I I think that he is a dark man with a thick mustache and a thick accent and I I worry that his co-workers I've always worried about this and I've always been protective of um, worrying that people assume that he thinks slowly or that he is less intelligent because he speaks more slowly and with an accent and um, the way that I've seen that increase around this election time is hard. It's hard for me to believe that's coincidental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I would be frightened too. It's, it's frightening. Um, I think, in general, the state of, um, our country right now. Um. You know, when it it comes. Yeah, and that's one of those times in which I have to be really mindful of the white privilege I do have. Um, But there's also this question that I've been thinking about with the election that I just never really know what people are reading me as. And I never really know how much white privilege I do or do not have in a space. And so it's it's not up to me to decide that. And it does depend on how much information people have about me and where I am and who I'm with. And so while I never want to take up space in groups of people who may be darker than me or have an accent or um, have have not have access to the privilege I have, I'm mindful of not taking up space in those groups, but I also recognize that whatever amount of privilege I have is also really fragile and is malleable and changes. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit, this this privilege that you feel like you have maybe because you're a lighter-skinned person? Because I'm having a hard time with it. Like, um, I'm I'm hearing it, it like um, like you said, logically it makes sense, but I think in reality, it's not real. It's not my reality yeah. at all. Yeah. And can I say? Oh, sorry. Well, I, I mean, uh, what does that really mean when you say that? Because I just, I don't know. I feel like, in my personal experience. The only time I can say that um, I may have experienced that on some level was when I dated a white guy, and I was light enough that people didn't really know what I was, so I didn't get this um, 
look or treatment of, ooh, what are you doing with a white man as a black woman? I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that's really the only, but there was always still something. It was never completely okay, you know, and I have definitely, definitely experienced more racism in general with a being married to a black man, no doubt about that whatsoever. But the way that I see it, at the end of the day, even though we may or may not all, I'm not sure what everybody looks like, but if we are all on the lighter end of the color spectrum, you're still not white. And when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it, somebody is going to remind you of that every single time, if it benefits them to do so. And I completely agree with that. And I think that's what I mean when I talk about how the fragility of my whiteness, but for example, in public spaces, there are times when I am red as white, and there are times when people, even if they know I'm Mexican, I like someone else was saying earlier, they will use me as a bridge and say things to me that they, they think that they are talking to another white person in this moment. And I realized, like, I've had someone, I had a coworker say to me once, um, she made a really, really racist um, and misogynistic comment about, a presumably Mexican woman passing by with her kids. And I was I was obviously very upset by that and I spoke out about it and I said, I you know that I'm Mexican, right? Like why would you say that? And she not I mean if I weren't Mexican it still wouldn't be okay, but that was what just instantly right. came out. That was my reflex and she said, But you're not that that kind <laughs> Oh Jesus! And I don't know. What, <laughs> That's ridiculous. I don't know what that kind of Mexican is, but you know, while That's I want, I wish I wish that people would, and sometimes emotionally, right from the heart, I wish that people would see me as that kind of Mexican, whatever that kind of Mexican is, because that's how I feel. <laughs> yes, I am that right. kind, whatever that means. Um, but right. that was white privilege, and if this, if that would have been. A, a more violent moment, I would have been marked safe because in that moment she was perceiving me as white. Okay. So when I, I, I mean, I can appreciate privilege. that. I just, no one yeah. looks at me and thinks I'm white. They might look at me and not yeah. think I'm black, but no one will ever look at me and think that I'm white. Me too. Me too. This is Rose and, and I, I'm like that. darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can, yeah, I can certainly understand how Right, like we don't have the same experiences, and and sometimes I am perceived as white, and sometimes I'm not, and sometimes I don't know, and sometimes I am, and then I'm not. I mean, a lot of times people will think I'm Greek or Italian or maybe Middle Eastern, so I'm I'm sure many people can relate to. You. I've gotten it all. Right. Yeah. I've definitely I gotten the ambiguous ethnic I'm person sorry. thing. Um, especially, especially like with undercover cop and TSA, um, they look at my ID and then, then assert that I'm lying about who I am. Um, uh, I remember the first time that that actually happened. I was 17 and uh, just picking up a car, like the car from the shop with my mom and then to undercover unannounced uh, detectives like backing up against the wall kept on calling me Carlos. I'm like, I don't know who this Carlos guy is. And believe it or not, that's happened to me about three or four times. I'm 33 now. Um, and it's almost always the guy's name is Carlos. Um, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how he gets around. I'm glad he's mobile, but whatever. Like, I'm not him. Um, and, like, TSA will think, like, they'll ask me things like, when was the last time you visited your home country of Morocco? I'm like, um, I'm like, never. And they're like, wow, your English is really good. I'm like, speak it well, yes, because uh, I was born here. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it it's very interesting. Also, my my wife um, passes for white um, a lot of times, and so when we're 
traveling around, like in the car, I'm acutely aware that at some point there's going to be a cop following us for at least a mile, you know, or like I, I live in Philadelphia. I, li- I live in like the um, Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. And so I'm like a 25 minute drive from uh, center city. And there's been a number of times when um, a police officer, cop, whatever, I don't know, um, just followed me that entire distance back home. Um, just like all, checking my my license plate, you know, pulling to the side, making sure that I'm not um, mm-hmm. that I'm driving the right speed, just doing all the things like trying to catch me in something. Um, and you know, I, I, I've I've been stopped and uh, frisked at times, and and the entire time people were still asking like, "What are you?" Mm-hmm. You're dark enough to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere between spicy mustard and caramel. <laughs> well, you know, I can tell you, you know, that I, my husband and I have been pulled over, and the officer has had the license, registration, run the plates, and everything, and then we'll come back to the car and say, "Do you own this car?" Because it's too nice for us to have. I mean, that stuff yeah. happens, and people don't. You know, they don't. Yeah they don't believe it. They're like, you're overreacting. This isn't real. No, this is very real. This is our reality every single day. Yeah. Right. Once when yeah. I was in uh, Upper Peninsula, because I, um, I was uh, with my boyfriend and we were going on a road trip to my uh, grandparents' um, old house. And uh, we were, my boyfriend and I were almost there, but we decided we'd like, you know, get a hotel for the night. And he's Asian, um, like Filipino, and, you know, I'm mixed. And we're all, we're like not the same skin tone, but like, we like I don't know like sometimes could maybe look in the same general tone whatever but at the same time it was just weird they decided they didn't want to rent to us like or you know the hotel for the night it was like the weirdest thing it was like he went in like asked like oh is there anything available and then suddenly it was like they saw me and then like the fa- it was like almost like the fact that we didn't match they were just like oh we actually don't have something and then we were just like wait what Wait, what the fuck? Like, it was the weirdest situation ever. Like, that was super weird. When we couldn't quite figure it out. Does anyone get into that? That whole, like, questioning, like, oh, could it have been? No. Really? Like, that happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But it happens all the time on so many different levels. And sometimes it's so overt that you think, like, that couldn't have just happened. I mean, at my baby yeah. shower, I had my husband's aunt. I had straightened my hair. I have very curly hair, very, very curly hair. I had straightened my hair, and she said, you look really nice today. You look like a black girl. <laughs> I'm like, what? what? She said, your hair. Oh, my God. And I just walked away. Just, and this is a black oh my God. speaking to me like oh this. God. And I'm just like, that just happened. You yeah. know, and wow. I can't, I, I can't wrap my mind around those type of things. I don't understand it. I don't know where it comes from because I wasn't raised that way. That's not who I am, you know, but it happens all the time, all the time. And I think, I mean. Why people don't deal with I, that? They don't. No, no. And I think that that's part of like, and I wanted to get to this, but we're kind of running out of time. So maybe we can do this again because I think it's been great, but um, sort of the, development of like racial identity for folks like us like I know for me the whole process of figuring out who I am and where I fit in has been like a lifelong sort of movement in and of itself you know and um, I I can imagine it's probably been um, similar for many of you and that you know it's just you know you try to find your place and and it's not easily always found, and um, I, I I would be really interested to sort of explore that more um, down the line. I mean, I think it's pretty crazy that we are sitting here talking about all of this stuff, and it's, what, 2016, and wasn't it that racism was, like, long gone a few years ago, and here we are? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think... All of us have known it's not been long gone, and it's just, it's pretty, um, 
I don't know. I I feel um I feel sad and and frightened um at just the state of things at this point and I think that's partially why I um wanted to sort of begin this dialogue because I I just think that the time has come that we like just need to lay it out on the table. I mean, people are out there every day doing and saying whatever, like, and with no abashedness at all. And I think that it's time that, like, we just sort of put it out there ourselves as well. And, like, you know, hey, this is happening, and, you know, this is how it feels to be on this end of it and um, and make people think maybe a little bit about what's coming out of their mouths and how they view people. Um, sort of take a look at what your, you know, internal stereotypes for folks are, you know? I mean, I'm sure it's different everywhere, but it's also happening everywhere, you know? (laughs) I I agree with you, Sophie. Um, I mean, a lot of times I I, I do work in, like, anti-bias, anti-racism, anti-oppression work, um, the anti-oppression world, um, just through uh, a Jewish nonprofit uh, lens, but still dealing with a lot of intersectionality, and I, I often find that people like us who are mixed are not always the ones in control of our own narratives in the media. Um, sure. And I, I personally want to thank you for like providing, like just providing me this opportunity to um, be in in community with, with everyone on the call and um and to actually like have us control our narrative. Um yeah. I think that's a rare thing. Yeah, I mean I think that that's what you're just saying is striking me a lot because I I think that it sounds like for many of us like and I, I can't remember who was saying it but um, Molly, I think it might have been you that you 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 don't you know you don't control um, the narrative of who you are in relation to how other people see you, and and we really don't. And it shifts and changes depending upon where we are and who we're with on a regular basis, because you know we're not easily categorized and sort of put into this bubble so that they know how they want to deal with us and. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've, we kind of have to close the show, but I just, um, I'm, I'm really grateful for all of you, you know, sharing personal sort of deep stuff with everybody about sort of what's been going on and what your experience has been. And I would really love to invite you guys all back to continue this. I think maybe, on a semi-regular basis, it would be great to have um, have sort of an ongoing dialogue as we sort of move through uh, this point in time in our existence and with all of the turmoil in the world regarding race. And um, I think it would be definitely beneficial for, for myself and I think the, the listeners to sort of get more of an insight um, into our experience and and just uh, also for other mixed people out there that are sort of listening in and saying, "Um, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've felt that. Um, And I think it's, it's definitely a good thing to build a community. Um, So um, I wanted to just give each of you a time to say anything else that you wanted to say before we close for the day. Yes, I would like to say thanks so much for the opportunity to speak on your show, and I would love to come back. Wonderful. Awesome. Yay. Um, yes, I completely... So... Uh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to echo the same thing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, and I wanted to say, you know, thank you guys for putting up with this sort of a format. It's 
it's tricky with so many people on the line, but I think we did pretty well, and everybody sort of just kind of piped in when they had something to say. And um, I'm hoping that we had a lot of people calling in, and I apologize to everyone for not taking any calls today, but we we just had a lot of people um, on the line, and I wanted to make sure everybody got a chance to speak. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who did call in and um, who's listening. And um, I will definitely be in touch with all of you guys so that we can um, start uh, trying to do this on a more regular basis. I really appreciate your voices. And um, so I'm going to wish you all a good night and a thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we are going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, I want to thank everybody again for coming on and thank everybody for listening. Again, this is the Together We Stand podcast. Uh, You can get more information on our organization at togetherwestand.nationbuilder.com. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TWS Revolution, at TWS Revolution. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock Pacific time. And uh, we will see you then. Thanks so much. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.